Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. If you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today, my guest star, media consultant for Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Just fine, John. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We also have with us circulation director for the Cincinnati Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm doing well, and it is good to be here. Good, good. And we also have our Herald intern, Suhana Sinhan. How are you doing today, Suhana? I'm doing fantastic, John. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. And today we have two special guests with us. Our first special guest is Elise Jenkins, Director of Strategic Marketing and Communications at the Cincinnati Public Schools. How are you doing today, Elise? Very good. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. And we also have with us Michael Turner, the Career Technical Manager for Cincinnati Public Schools. How are you doing today, Mr. Turner? I'm doing just fine. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to participate tonight. I'm glad you're here. And before we jump uh, to your guys' section, which is the main topic of the podcast, we'll head into some of the top news topics of the week. On Tuesday, the Senate unanimously passed a legislation establishing Juneteenth, June 19th as a federal holiday. The passage happened after Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson dropped his objection to the measure earlier in the day. The measure was introduced last summer, but Johnson's vocal objections about the cost to taxpayers to pay federal workers for the day off stopped it from passing by unanimous consent. Last year, Johnson and others tried to negotiate swapping Juneteenth for Columbus Day, so there would be not another federal holiday added. This year, the bill gained more Republican support and Johnson dropped his objections. Andrea, your thoughts on Juneteenth finally becoming a federal holiday? I think it's great that Juneteenth became a federal holiday. There's not enough of us who um, celebrate the day and appreciate the significance of what it means. And I think with the um, renewed interest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and what happened there and you know, other mass incidents around the country that affected um, Black towns in America, I think Juneteenth is bringing on a huge significance to the country and history. My only concern is that Congress and the Senate passed this, but they have not passed any other legislation that's of concern to the Black community that would be beneficial to us. We didn't ask for this, but we've been asking for others. So I don't want it to be a give us a crumb and take away the bread type situation. So, but I'm very overjoyed about this. Wade, your thoughts on this subject? I'm very happy about it, but at the same time, very surprised. <laughs> when you think how long it took the Martin Luther King uh, uh, first day to be, be uh, become a national holiday, uh, I'm very surprised that this went through so quickly. Just a little tidbit. For me, uh, I first heard of uh, Juneteenth back in 1979. I went to Houston, Texas to uh, play in the tennis tournament. And uh, everybody was excited about this uh, supposed holiday that they had down there. And it was called Juneteenth. And at that time, I knew nothing about it. And so uh, while I was there, everybody explained to me what Juneteenth was and how it came about. And that was my first uh, hearing about it. But I'm glad that, that now it has the exposure that it, it deserves and that, uh, that we will have a national holiday. Suhana, your thoughts? John, I feel it's such a good time to be in America. 
like I'm an international student here and uh, I only have heard about Juneteenth earlier this month. And uh, not only I just heard about it, I've seen that it's getting passed as a federal holiday. It says so much about uh, America's acceptance of its communities and the natural progress that's having towards its growth. Though it's not enough for a community's development and celebrating their history, it is still so much more than what the rest of the world has. This acknowledgement of this celebration and it getting out beyond Texas and uh, being part of this whole national history is like a shield in front of a shield that is like fighting against the racism that is existing in the nation. And saying that people matter, their history matters, and despite like how many people are stopped from talking about it or how much we try to deny that racism is not a problem anymore. We will just, we might ignore the fact that the racism is not a problem anymore, but we at the same time want organically, naturally want the citizens of this country to remember that where did we come from? And uh, I think it's such a beautiful and poetic way of showing to this country that and showing to the world that we belong. We, despite how difficult the history was, we are part of it and we celebrate it regardless what's there for us today. So it's a, it's a good day. It's a good time. And I'm very excited to be part of any Juneteenth celebration that comes ahead of us. And now moving on to our next story, citing escalating voter restriction laws in Republican-controlled states around the country, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced several actions that the Department of Justice plans to protect the freedom to vote. Garland said the department would double its civil rights division's voting rights enforcement staff, use federal voting statutes to protect the vote, and scrutinize the new anti-voting laws in states like Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Garland called expanding voting rights, including proposed bills like the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act as central pillars to American democracy. Garland also promised that the Justice Department would double the Civil Rights Division's voting rights enforcement staff within one month. Andrea, your thoughts on this uh, subject? I think it's finally um, the Justice Department is back to being the Justice Department and putting the people issues first. And this is a very important issue regarding voting. I think we witnessed a very tough but fair election in America and the Republicans are scared. And the only reason why I say Republicans are scared because their reaction to getting all these bills in place um, has scared them because they fear that they will not be in power any longer because they fear the strength of uh, minorities voting. And I think that's a shame because if they did their part and engage minorities like the Democrats have, they would not be in this situation. And I, I think Merrick Garland shoring up and taking a look at all of the bills that are going through or, or that have passed so far, and probably Ohio will come under scrutiny if they pass the pending um, House Bill 294, um, which is an anti-voting bill as well. Um, it's gonna come under scrutiny as well. So I think people need to start standing up for the Republic and not standing up for power because that's how America was before. Wade, your thoughts on this story? Well, I applaud all that the Justice Department is doing and, and plan to do going forward to ensure that the uh, voting rights of everyone is, 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 is uh, ensured. Um, I think what a, a lot of uh, people forget is that with the past election and everything, the voting uh, was a big success 
no matter which party won or lost, you had more people voting on both sides of the party than ever before. So I, 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 I just want to make sure that we don't get too caught up in trying to uh, wait on certain things to happen and that the foot soldiers are in these locations or states where they are having some restrictions placed that the soldiers out there training and showing people what they need to do so that they are uh, eligible uh, when it comes time to vote again and that their rights will not be overlooked. Moving on to our next story, Darnella Frazier, the teen who bravely videotaped the murder of George Floyd in 2020, has been issued a special citation by the Pulitzer Prize Board. Her video was the most damning piece of evidence during the Chauvin trial, and Darnella took the witness stand and offered powerful testimony to back up the recording. For our efforts, Darnella is receiving the National Newspaper Publisher Association Highest Journalism Award and a monetary scholarship at the NNPA's annual convention, which begins on Wednesday, June the 23rd. Andrea, your thoughts on this story? I applaud the young lady. She was in the right place at the right time and took um, showed the courage that some news reporters today don't show and just captured something on, on, on video even though it was horrific, captured it. And I applaud her because if you find that some of the more unique, rememberable Pulitzer Prize winning photographs oftentimes are caught not by professionals, but by amateurs who happen to be in the right place at the right time. I remember way back when the Oklahoma bombing occurred, there was a young man who happened to be, he was a volunteer fireman who had his camera with him and shot a picture of the fireman carrying out the child, and that photograph went around the world and you won a Pulitzer for it. So I, I think people who have a unique eye and know when to capture and be there and sh then share it, that information, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I applaud her and I hope she continues to shoot photography and become a journalist. Wade, your thoughts? I am um, impressed with what the Black Lives Matter movement of last year did. Uh, it brought a lot of exposure and everything. I think some of the things that we're seeing happen is, is a direct, is a direct uh, response to what was happening last year with the Black Lives Matter movement. If you remember this time last year, we had people marching all over the country and we didn't just have Blacks marching. We had Blacks, white, Mexican, uh, 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 Asians. Uh, everybody was, uh, was marching uh, and, and supporting each other. And I think it took on a different picture. And I think some of the things that we've seen uh, uh, in the courtrooms and, 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 and some of the exposure people are getting now is a direct uh, in response to, to the Black Lives Matter movement of last year. And hopefully uh, it won't die down uh, because um, it, was, it was different from years before. Uh, before it was more just mostly Blacks involved, but last year it was more universal. And I think that's what it takes to get a lot of things uh, changed. And um, I applaud them for what they did. Suhana, your thoughts on the story? John, on a positive note, uh, it is quite good that somebody was there and capturing the moment because that video acted as one of the key proofs when the case was getting presented in the court. So it holds a great significance in the 
in in this whole case in the history of this case and the things that come ahead of us though it's it's uh, fantastic i think it's a kind of unpopular opinion that i would say i don't know if it's uh, worth pulitzer prize award uh, here i don't mean to demean or degrade the the girl's efforts or the video that she took i just want to understand very logically like what is the bigger picture that we are trying to achieve here if this how this somehow if this incident and this award uh, clears in our head the difference between right and wrong then yes it's a fantastic thing to be awarded but if it's just one of the if it if the award is just targeted to just celebrate one incident but ignore everything that has happened or many stories that are happening around or so many cases of violence that has been recorded then i i believe it's not fair uh, in the light of the award we don't want i hope that we don't lose the whole purpose into the darkness and uh, that that's it like i would i my hearty congratulations for the award pulitzer prize award and i hope a great journalism career lies ahead of us and in this moment we should not forget that there are so many lives that have been lost before before we started marching for black lives matter again after george floyd my condolences to the man's family and congratulations for the pulitzer prize moving on to our next story born out of the civil rights movement critical race theory began as a way of examining laws through the lens of race and considering how laws can keep the powerful in power it's since spread to other disciplines exploring how racism has impacted life throughout history and today educators who teach critical race theory are looking at how race relations have shaped the legal social and political aspects of society unfortunately critical race theory has become a hot button issue for many people. 21 states, including Ohio, have either introduced legislation to ban critical race theory or have it banned altogether. Andrea, what are your thoughts on states trying to ban critical race theory? I think it's horrible because we can't move together as a nation until we accept the total truth of what our history is. You can't just continue to share one aspect of the history or what is acceptable about history without knowing the full truth. And I, I think some people may see it as bashing or they may see it as finger pointing. And I don't think I see it that way. I just see it as how we need to grow and change as a nation. And you know, change is hard for a lot of people, but I think at the same time, you shouldn't ban it. You shouldn't demean it. I think the fact this is all part of reaction to the 1619 project and we need to be open because we're open to other theories and other issues uh, that, are, that are printed and published and accepted. This needs to be accepted. And why this is suffering so much, I don't understand. But I just hope people step up and say, look, we need to take a full look at history and not just one side. Wade, your thoughts? A little funny and a little perplexing at the same time. We just talked about Juneteenth being made a national holiday. And at the same time, uh, certain folks do not want to talk about the past as, as it really was. So uh, it's kind of funny in that sense. But uh, it's like, do you say, we're not going to talk about how the Nazis uh, came to power or, or what role certain people played in uh, with the Holocaust and things like that? 
Of course not. You 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 you, you want to look at the past and, and learn from it. You want to look at the past and and not make the same mistakes that, that were made in the past. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, but you know, when, when you have a, a certain group of people that uh, always had power and sometimes they look at, at things like this will take power away from them and they won't look at it from what people are really trying to do. And uh, I think it's just a little funny when you, you just talked about Juneteenth and then talk about critic, critical uh, 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 by theory and, and, and people opposing it. So I'm, I'm just perplexed. Suhana, your thoughts on this story? I think, John, it's uh, quite normal for a government to send mixed messages to its people. They support a few things and they don't support a few things. Um, I It would be amazing, uh, it would be amazing if we would have seen people completely accepting that theory and um, acting in support of it. And there are very, as long as we have diversity, we have resistance and uh, everybody has their own opinion about what they want to perceive or not. But irrespective of what you what people want to believe or not, uh, truth doesn't diminish, like it still exists. Slavery did exist. Uh, Juneteenth does exist. The whole situation with the uh, community, race, religion does exist. So um, I think it is a very futile attempt in curbing the history when the world more than ever is ready to accept and consume what is the reality. And we, we are in the middle of so much turmoil because in one side there is, um, we assume that this is all bad, that we are under war, we are under fight, and the whole world is in chaos. It's all burning up. But at the same time, we see that people are almost tired with the silence and the narrative that the society, in the society that they're supposed to follow. So uh, I believe more than ever, we are existing in a time where people are going out of their way to find out truth, accept the truth, and preach it. And as long as we have people existing who will push forward the truth, um, the attempts of curbing the theory is very futile. So they can continue as long as they want, but you know, I know the few more people are listening to this, few more people will share about this and uh, trying to ban the race theory will not um, work out eventually. It's a futile attempt. So. Uh, it's not a very big deal for me. Uh, it's just part of any government regime and uh, it's temporary. And folks, that's it for the top news stories of the week. And now I want to turn it over to my co-host, Andrea Carter, to um, talk to our special guest today. So take it away, Andrea. Thank you. Hi, Mr. Turner. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine. I thank you for being on the show today and um, to talk to us today about the changes that have been made um, I believe it's the Career Technical Center. Yes. Tell us what's new with it. What, what is going to be different with the revamping of the program? Yeah, so lots of exciting things occurring in career and technical education in, in Cincinnati Public Schools. Uh, we are uh, really actively growing the program, uh, not just in offerings to students, but also in knowledge uh, about what we have because if people aren't aware of what we have then uh, they're not going to be able to make an informed choice they're not going to be able to uh, really 
for those of people outside of Cincinnati Public Schools, they're not going to be able to be attracted to our district uh, for career tech. Uh, this is my 36th year coming up in, in Cincinnati Public Schools, and I've loved every second of it. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of time in the West End downtown at, at Bloom Middle School, for those of you who went to Bloom, and uh, Taft High School. I, I was principal there for uh, six years and, and left to come to central office two years ago. And so being the principal of Taft, which has uh, a pretty large career tech uh, program for information technology, one of the things that I noticed when I uh, came to central office to work is there was a lot about career tech that I didn't know, even though I was the principal of a career tech high school. So one of my number one missions has been really to get the word out about what we have, but also to expand offering. Because for me, it's always been about what's best for students. And you know, many times grown people wanna do what's best for us, but at the end of the day, it's gotta be what's best for our students. And so two big things that are, that are changes is uh, first and foremost, publicity. And thanks to um, uh, our other guests here tonight, uh, Ms. Ms. Elise Jenkins and, and helping me really get the word out through the web, uh, through opportunities like this, uh, even through printed material, even though we're very digital, uh, we'll be out passing out uh, flyers uh, this, this weekend and at least we'll talk about that. But publicity is so important because we, we have to have people know what we have to offer. The, the second thing that I'm very excited about that is really a big change is Career tech is actively growing. A couple of years ago, we had 60 career tech teachers in uh, nine different high schools. Now, this coming school year, we will have 70 career tech teachers in 13 different high schools. We only have three high schools left to go before we will have a career tech presence in each one of our 16 high schools. And that's really, really important uh, for students to be able to have choices uh, about uh, their future. It's really about their futures and we're helping them on the way. Um, some other real exciting things, uh, we, we were just honored with a, uh, a grant opportunity through the Urban League, the Community Action Agency and the City of Cincinnati called Level Up. And Level Up is, if you Google it, uh, just Cincinnati Public Schools uh, uh, Level Up, you'll find information. It is a very unique program that helps upskill uh, students ages 16 to 24 uh, starting this summer. And uh, they'll be able to get paid really to learn and to uh, fill in some of the gaps that they need for employment, even if it's a student who graduated already and they're just not fulfilling uh, their dream for a career that they wanted, uh, they would qualify for this. It's about a $700,000 opportunity that was secured. Uh, and our uh, career tech uh, pathway specialist, Carmen Gaines, did a, did a lot of great work with that. Also, we are part of a pilot program with the Lieutenant Governor's Office. That was a joint venture between the Career-Based Learning Department and the Career Tech Department for our district where we're on, we're, we are the only school district in the state out of 12 
districts that were chosen. The rest were uh, strictly career tech uh, centers uh, where we have students who are out right now uh, being paid. The state is reimbursing uh, the employers. And these are students in IT positions uh, learning what it's like to work in the real world. And so we're very excited about those opportunities that really help bridge the gap uh, for our students for what the real world is going to be like once they uh, walk across the state. Well, before we, we get to at least to talk about the publicity and promoting the program, let's give everyone a little bit better understanding of what career tech is. And I, I assume it's sort of based on the old way of the old, um, um, the old schools of where if you didn't want to go to college, you went to um, a skilled, I forgot the name of the, Vocational. vocational. It was vocational, vocational schools. schools. Yes. Gotcha. So it's based on the old vocational curriculum, so to speak, but only now it's more career focused, high end. Because I know for, for a while there, I mean, I remember when TAF got up and running and changed to the informational tech, it was so unbelievable, so unheard of to be able to do this. The kids were coming out prepared and being able to get jobs where they never had before. I know there's been some changes and some balance and things like that, but what specifically are we, is the CPS focusing on and what careers um, in the program? Yeah, so I'm really glad that you asked that question. So you're correct. I mean, we're, you know, many people are used to the term vocational schools. And so what used to happen in Cincinnati Public Schools is students would leave CPS during the day or, or all day, and they would go to, uh, a joint vocational school like the Oaks, for example. And so since they public changed that relationship several years ago, really about a decade and a half ago and, and turned it into the model that we're a comprehensive career, career tech school district. And what that means is we are preparing students. You know, what I, what I tell everybody is we are, a career, we are career and technical educators. So we're preparing students, not just for a career, and that career could be after college, by the way. So uh, students who are in career tech most certainly go to college, many of them. But we're also technical educators because we're preparing students for very technical uh, workforce type situations. And so just to give you an idea of what we offer, we have four of our high schools have agricultural and environmental systems type programs. Those are very high demand uh, jobs in the state of Ohio. We have two high schools that have arts and communication uh, programs. We have one high school that has business. We have two that have information technology. Uh, we have uh, a new education program uh, that just went into effect this last school year. And education is a very in-demand uh, job area. The, it goes on down the line. We have engineering and science technologies. Health science is a huge one, very much in demand. We have culinary at one of our high schools. Uh, IT, of course, I mentioned already. We have the new firefighter uh, public safety program at Western Hills High School in conjunction with the, with the fire department. And then we have manufacturing. And, and so all of those are high demand, uh, they're in demand and high wage uh, job opportunities. And, and so what has changed about 
the way things are offered is we cannot even get approved by the Ohio Department of Education if it's not an in-demand high-wage job. And the, and the way we look at this is we know that everybody's on their way to a career. That needs to be our goal. If you go into the military, uh, you're on your way to your career. If you go into the employment area uh, after high school, that may not be your final career destination. You may be working your way up to that uh, final career. And if you go to college, you're on your way to a career. So we prepare our students to do whichever one of those things uh, that they want to do. But we have uh, high curriculum standards. We have teachers who are fully licensed to teach career tech. Uh, we have many different business partnerships to assist us along the way. We have advisory committees. Uh, we have all sorts of things that we rely on to be able to deliver high quality uh, programs. We, we have about 3,000 students in grades seven through 12 who run through uh, career tech at one point or another uh, in their high school journey. So the stigma has definitely gone away. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, we, we have some of our, our areas that if students when students graduate, if they graduate with certain industry-recognized credentials, they can go into a job making more than what they would have made if they would have gotten an associate's degree and moved, in, moved into a job. And so uh, we're working with the students even once they leave high school, they can come back to us and, and we'll assist them. So the stigma has changed and uh, we're, we're just so excited about the future. That is fantastic. Elise, um, in terms of promoting all of these wonderful opportunities within CPS, how are you going about that? How is CPS spreading the word about the changes with this wonderful program? Well, first off, again, thanks for having us on this evening. This right here is a tremendous opportunity. Uh, opportunity for us. We are establishing key relationships with partners, just like with the Herald, who offer ways to help get the word out, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's on the news, whether it's something that we're mailing out, whether it's a, a an event. For example, this weekend, we have our first ever CPS Shine Bright Block Party Series. And that's in partnership with Urban Radio. So Radio One is along with us, helping us to promote. You all are helping us get that word out. We have put together our team, our staff, our district-wide, everyone is volunteering to come together to help thank our families coming out of this pandemic, to highlight our five-day back-to-school plans, to provide all through the summer, fun, activities, awareness, generate interest, share even with our talent team, what opportunities actually exist within CPS. Uh, we're sharing uh, COVID safety plans that we have in place. The Cincinnati Health Department is coming out partnering with us. The fire department will be on site with the help of our community, our partners, our leadership, our administrators, every step of the way. We're really using every aspect that we can to share 
these awesome, tremendous programs like Mike Turner is talking about tonight. And see, Andrea, there is the track, of course, that we have, the College Credit Plus. But let's think about those notable uh, students that transition and matriculate into career paths or pathways as, refer, as we refer to them today that may not require a traditional college setting, but from a career and technical uh, program and opportunity, it gives them something that they can see, that they can achieve. And just like Mike shared, it allows them to have a higher wage earning opportunity. Our students come from all different backgrounds. Our demographics are varied. And specifically for our students, these amazing programs are created just for them. I know we used to use the old phrase vocational, but I believe that it's more than that. And I'm speaking as uh, being an engineer with a technical background, a product of CPS, knowing exactly the efforts, the time, the planning, the specifics, how we're aligned with the ODE's uh, mandates and requirements. These programs are targeted specifically for our students and our families. We want to see them matriculate further. So this Saturday, as I mentioned before, we kick off with a drive-through event right at Woodward High School. We're gonna have live music out. We're gonna have fun. We are offering vaccinations. We're not turning anyone away if they come with a consent form. We are looking at our current CPS families to thank them and even prospective families that are saying, hey, we're interested in learning more information. We want everyone to come out this Saturday, Juneteenth, Father's Day weekend, to celebrate with us, allow us to celebrate with them. We've got some really uh, fun things that we're sharing, information, some giveaways. We even have, we have the opportunity right on site to enroll and register students right inside in the lobby area. This is the first time ever, Andrea, that we've done something like this, that we've put on such a series of events. But again, these summer block parties are the whole summer long, and we couldn't be more excited about it. We have Iggy Woods that's going to be on site. Our new interim superintendent, Tiane Ahmad, is going to be on site. Great photo opportunities. And for those parents and even the students that like to hashtag, our hashtag is hashtag CPS shine bright. And so if you go out to our website, you can find out more information about this. If you go out to Facebook, Instagram, even with our partners, we couldn't be where we are today if we weren't aligned with the community. Let's face it, I'll tell you, Andrea, we all, we had some, I guess, impacts because of the COVID and the pandemic. But since that's behind us now, we're getting out, we're ready to have some fun, and this weekend kicks it off. We have a total of five events planned and we're planning our back to school event so we couldn't be more excited about it oh that is fantastic so Hannah, you had a question that you wanted to ask go ahead and ask it um ma'am i was wondering um the program is doing wonders for the students but uh does it is it in any ways teacher friendly like are we doing anything different in this program that supports our teachers and creates any better opportunities for them or what what does it have for our teachers here 
Well, I would like to defer to Mike because Mike actually manages that program if he wants to explore a little bit more, but he can tell you specifically for the teachers, if I understand your question is, how do we incorporate our teachers and support our teachers through career tech? Yeah, so that's that's a really good question. And because I used to be a career tech teacher before I was a career tech principal, uh, I'm very aware of the fact about the support that, that teachers need. And, and one of the things when I was a principal at Taft that I prided myself in was really giving teachers what they needed uh, to be able to carry, carry out their job. And so what we do is we offer a wide range of instructional supports uh, to our teachers. Uh, we have a full-time instructional coach just for career tech who works with, uh, his name is Rick Pridemore, and he works with uh, the teachers uh, right in their classrooms, helping them implement what they need to do. I'm proud to say that this, this school year that we just finished, we offered, even in the midst of the pandemic, we offered a record amount of professional development for teachers. Uh, we gave them what they wanted. We, we did not just give them what we thought they needed. We surveyed and we said, what do you need? So a couple of examples. Uh, our teachers uh, were loud and clear that they needed uh, more training on how to work with some of our underrepresented groups of students, such as students with disabilities, and our English learner populations. We have uh, really high numbers of uh, English learner students in some of our programs. And so what we did is we had a collaborative approach with uh, our, the department that uh, manages students with disabilities and English learners. And so our teachers got professional development uh, for that. Uh, the other way that we really support teachers is we give them what they need. If you know now, I know the pandemic messed up some conferences and professional development outside of what we offer. But if a teacher says, "Hey, there's something I need to go to to help me be a better teacher," we do everything we can uh, to make that happen. Because uh, you know, the number one thing, in my opinion, that impacts how a student feels about school is that teacher in the classroom. And, you know, if you've got a really good teacher, you're going to come to school uh, every day. I found that out when I was a brand new middle school teacher at Bloom. I had kids who came to school every day just, just to be in my class because I made it special for them. And that's what we really give our teachers so that they can make it special for their students. So we do offer them a lot of support. And thanks for asking that question. I would just say that it sounds like a fascinating program. And I thank you for coming on today to explain it all to us. Um, I know it sounds like it's going to be an exciting year for the CPS students. And I'm especially interested in the culinary program because if I had to do it all over again, I would be both a journalist and a cook. So, you, you know, that, that, that is exciting for me. Um, and I would say, is there one thing that um, you would want parents to know going into this school year to um, um, like, do they need anything special or just come and be excited to learn? I would actually like to share for any parents, any of our families, anyone that's connected to a family, definitely plan to attend 
if you're a CPS family or connected, do plan to attend because lots of updated information has been created just for you. Any of those questions that you have this Saturday at Woodward High School from 12, from 12 noon to 2 p.m., it's a drive-through event. You don't even have to get out of your car. Ooh. But the information that we're sharing from all grade levels, pre-K to 12th grade, you'll receive that information. You'll learn about the other programs that we have ongoing. Right now, we're in the midst of Summer Scholars, which is not a traditional summer school. This is to allow students to get either further ahead if they want to ensure that they are where they need to be. We're transporting students, we're feeding them. That's a new program. Jumpstart begins uh, for August. So those types of programs, that information, for those that might perceive that, oh, there's a long waiting list to get my preschooler or kindergartner into CPS, we have availability and we're enrolling and registering right on site. So if you are a parent and you're making that decision, where should my child go? I tell you, you definitely want to drive through, enjoy the fun, gather the information, and then if need be, go ahead and get registered. If you want to set an appointment, you'll receive an appointment card. Our fabulous customer care team will be on site. The whole district is all hands on deck. It's going to be fun. Like I said, lots of photo opportunities, but ultimately this is really for our students and for our families. And we definitely want to inform and thank them and share our five day, provide very clear information about our five day back to school plans and COVID safety protocols. And for those that are 12 and up, the Cincinnati Health Department will be providing vaccines. We want everybody to shine bright. So come and check it out this Saturday. It sounds like it's very much CPS has become a 21st century school district for a 21st century and beyond world. So I'm very excited and happy about that. And I'm very glad to see this is happening. I'm so glad that we're part of it as well to help you promote it. That was a fascinating discussion. And I want to thank Elise and Mike for coming on today. That was um, that was very good. So once again, thank you guys. We appreciate thank, it. Thank so you much. for the invitation. Thank you all for having us. Yeah, so nice to meet everyone. Well, quick question. So if we want to know more about this event, Apart from this podcast, where can people go and look up for this information on this event or in general about the program? I love it. Thank you for asking. So if you go out to our website, cps-k12.org, you can find um, right on our main site a billboard where when you click on it, it'll go to the story to share information. Not on the website, you prefer social media, look up CPS on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. So we've got all social platforms covered and our partners like the Herald has our information posted on their uh, website in uh, specific locations and in the printed paper as well. Yes, that's very, very useful information. Um, I also want to thank uh, my guests, Andrea, Wade, and Suhana for discussing the top news stories of the week. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, make sure to check out the stories we talked about today on our website at 
www.thecincinnatihero.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and select service stations. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Audible, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Herald podcast. Make sure you follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure to follow us on YouTube. Just search for the Herald TV. I'm John Alexander. Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald, and have a good day.